0: I was reminded recently of a risk that I took about five years ago. At the time, I was involved in this project that was helping get uh, Unreached People Group access. And so, while they they had a Bible uh, hard copy, and it was because of the security situation, it was almost impossible to get that in any significant numbers into the country. Get those books in and get them into people's hands. And so, we were looking at millions of people who needed to get a hold of the Bible but couldn't. And so, we started to think maybe if we offered it to them digitally, they would be able to get it. So we provided some options for people to look at it online, and uh, a, an app that they could download, things like that. But we didn't know. I and mean, this people group had never had access to the Bible, so we didn't know if they had the opportunity, would they even want to. And so we turned on, uh, this, I say we, I had nothing to do with it. Smarter people than me turned on some online ads and things like that to let people know how they could find the Bible. And they turned those on, and the first day 1,000 people went and looked a portion of the Bible. I talked to those guys Reese just the other day, and I think they'd hit a million people that had gone online and looked at the Bible. So the issue, as it turned out, wasn't willingness or interest, it was no access. And once they got the chance, they wanted to read it. Well, in the midst of all this, people that were looking at the Bible could write to us, and I was heading up the, the team that was kind of corresponding with these people. They would write, they'd ask questions, I saw this in the Bible, that kind of thing. And one day, someone contacted me and asked if I could mail them a hard copy book version of the Bible. And, you know, as I said earlier, security situation, we hadn't been doing that. We were completely digital in what we were doing. But he, you know, he gave me some reasons. He said, ah, it's so hard to read on my phone, and I just really want a book. It really helped me to study. And I'll be honest with you, I was a bit skeptical at first. I thought, I mean, for all I know, this could be some undercover policeman who's trying to find out who's behind this project. And so we, we talked about it as a team, and we prayed about it. And ultimately, they left the decision to me, so welcome to leadership. Sometimes you get left with the, the one that, where the buck stops. Now, you might be thinking, well, of course, if someone wants a Bible, you're going to send them a Bible. I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. But there were, there were several legitimate ways to look at it. On the one hand, this person did have a copy of the Bible, right? It wasn't in their preferred format, but they had a copy of it, which was more than millions of people in this part of the world could say. I also had to consider security. And we had thousands of people a day reading the Bible, very exciting things happening. And I could potentially jeopardize that if this book was somehow intercepted or traced or whatnot. And we also knew that it would probably require the help of some national believers in that country, because we were outside of the country and we couldn't mail it internationally, so we were going to ask some people there locally to mail it domestically. And so we thought we would, you know, we knew we'd be putting them at risk. So this was a dilemma for me. But I prayed, and we prayed as a team. I say it was all on me. We, we, we worked on it as a team. We prayed, and we finally decided to send it. So we we sent somehow that there was a unique opportunity in the midst of this risk. And so we contacted these people in, the, in that country, and they mailed it and we waited and we waited a couple weeks went by I didn't hear anything I just kind of started to feel the weight of this risk that we had taken well I'll, I'll tell you in just a little bit how that all turned out but I tell all you all of you this because as I said earlier there's risk in what we're trying to do here and here's the thing about risk there are worthwhile risks and there are foolish risks so now, how do you know which one you took when you joined a team for this summer you know, this fall, as I was talking to people and we were trying to figure out what to do for this summer, more than one person said to me, are you sure we should try to put together teams? I mean, what if the trips get canceled or, you know, what if we have to reroute or something like that? And, and I felt that. I felt the weight of that. It, you know, those of you that were alumni, we've got any 2020 alumni we got here? Maybe we have quite a few of you, 2020. You know what that felt like. Right. And even if you weren't a 2020 alumni, you know what it was like for things to get canceled this past year. Right. And so you could have legitimately said, you know, there will be other opportunities to go overseas. Summer 2022. Or you could have legitimately said, there's a lot of stuff going on in America right now. Maybe we should kind of take care of that first. So like my dilemma about mailing the Bible to that guy, there are several other legitimate ways you could have looked at this decision. Well, I'd like to submit to you this evening that you and your teammates are no fools. That you are no fools for the decision you made. And yes, there's still a lot of uncertainty and things we can't control, no doubt. And there's some extra factors that you're going to have to deal with this summer that maybe teams in the past didn't. But here's the thing. The gospel is never going to get to the unreached unless we're willing to take some risks. If we wait until everything in America is sorted out and everything in the world is sorted out and everything in our lives are sorted out, we're going to be waiting a long time before the Gospel goes to the ends of the earth. So tonight I'd like to just share with you in this brief time we have some reasons why it's worth the risk, both this summer and beyond. So would you pray with me as we jump into this and get ready to read the Word? Lord, I... I uh, I just proclaim tonight that You're worth pursuing. You're worth the risk of inconvenience, Lord. You're worth the risk of even disappointment. And I just know that You are holding all of our hearts in Your hands. You are a good Father, Lord. And when we risk in sync with You, God, that You're faithful and You're good to us. And to pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, turn with me, if you have a Bible or a phone that you can use, to Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. Luke 24:13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So here's the setting. Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. His disciples find an empty tomb. And we have these two people who are walking down the road discussing all these things that have just happened. And Luke tells us that they're sad, that they're downcast. And they say about Jesus, and to Jesus as it turned out, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Jesus entered a time and a place where there was a great deal of anticipation. And things were bad. There was Roman oppression and taxation, and a lot of people wanted to get back to the glory days of Israel. So there was this anticipation in the air. And so people did what all people do when things get tough. They start hoping. God has put something, he's wired something into human beings that when things get difficult, we begin to scan the horizon for hope. Now we might still complain, we might still get discouraged, but there's a part of everyone in the midst of that that we're looking for something to put our hope in. I think that is particularly relevant today. It'll be no surprise to you to hear me say that 2020 wasn't one of the better years in recent memory. It's probably putting it mildly. So what are people talking about now that it's 2021? Well, they're talking about hope. You see it everywhere. I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl this year. I don't typically pay attention to the commercials, but this year they actually caught my attention. In particular, the theme of many of them caught my attention. Commercial after commercial talked about hope. Some of them didn't even bother to put their product in the commercial. They just told a story of hope and then kind of showed their logo. Now, these companies spent millions of dollars on these ads, and they hired outside firms and consultants to help them get their fingers on the pulse of what people wanted to hear. And what, apparently, they figured out is that right now, people want to hear that there's hope. And I think they're right. One of them was filmed right here in Kansas. It was a Jeep commercial, right? Anybody see that one? What was the name of that little town? Lebanon, Kansas or something? And the final line was, there's hope on the road ahead. Now, they didn't even give a reason why there's hope on the road ahead, but they knew they didn't have to. It was so compelling just to hear that, that all they had to say is that there is hope. Well, I don't think that this phenomenon is limited to the United States of America. So here's the first reason why I think it's worth the risk this summer. There is a world out there looking for a reason to hope. And what I've found in cross-cultural ministry is that there are seasons of opportunity. There are moments when doors are open, when there's a particular eagerness or hung area, and there's an opportunity of that specific season I mean, that project I just told you about, that digital Bible access project, shortly after the time that we left, some of those doors that we had opened very drastically closed in that project. But there was a season where there was a great openness. So yes, we could wait until summer 2022, and don't get me wrong, God may have led some of your peers in that direction, so I have no problem with that. That's the, the Lord, I trust His work in their lives. But you we're called the summer 2021. And I believe there are some unique opportunities of this summer. And one of them, in my opinion, is this increased longing for hope in the world. But here's the thing, just because you're looking for hope, it doesn't mean that you know that Jesus is the answer to your hope. I mean, look at the people in Jesus's day. They were hoping for a Messiah to come and redeem Israel. Now you might think, well, that's a Great thing to hope for. But when, when, we think, or when we hear redeem Israel, they weren't thinking of it the same way that you and I understand that. They weren't thinking about being redeemed through the forgiveness of sins and through this sacrificial Messiah who died on the cross. They wanted a kind of redemption that would take care of their felt needs right now. Namely, to end Roman occupation and help them return to the glory days. And so Luke tells us that these two people that Jesus spoke to were downcast. The Messiah hadn't met their hope for redemption. I mean, here's the greatest moment in the history of humanity, and these two people are sad. So here's the thing about most people who are longing for hope. Unless they see otherwise, they will put their hope in something lesser. Usually something that will meet their felt needs right now. Back in December, as New Year's Eve was approaching, there was... A particular, particularly a lot of talk about hope for the next year. And uh, while I was preparing for this talk, I came across an article from Forbes magazine dated December 31st, 2020, and the title of it was My Hopes for You in 2021. And the author of this article had four things they were encouraging their readers to do in 2021. Let me read them to you. Number one, keep yourself safe. Number two, Don't set too high of expectations for yourself. Number three, practice self-forgiveness. And number four, in case you couldn't see the theme, focus on yourself. And here's what this author had to say about this fourth point. Focus on yourself. If you focus on your hobbies and your interests and becoming the best version of yourself you can possibly be and surround yourself with people who will bring that out in you, the right people and opportunities will fall into your path. What a small version of hope. Focus on yourself. You want hope in 2021? Focus on yourself, your interests, your hobbies, your pets, your sports teams, your stuff. That's what's going to make you happy in 2021. And that's, that is sad, truly sad. And this is why so many people in Jesus' day all missed that the Messiah was among them. Because they were thinking, what's in it for me? And these two people walking on the road to Emmaus almost missed it themselves. Thankfully, they met Jesus who explained the real reason for hope. And so here's the second reason why I believe you're no fool for committing to a team this summer. People need someone to point their hope in the right direction. So what did Jesus do here with these two downcast people? Well, he explains that the ultimate hope for the world, what true redemption means, is, is through the sacrifice of the Messiah. Verse, read in, look reading. with me in verse 25 there. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now that would have been a pretty cool Bible study to be a part of, right? Jesus walking through the scriptures on himself. And a few verses later, we read that their hearts were burning as Jesus was sharing with them. That would be an awesome moment. Thankfully, someone pointed their hope in the right direction. So this brings me to my third reason. You cannot hope in a Savior you've never heard of. You can't hope in a Savior you've never heard of. There was a reason why I was talking to that man online about the Bible, and it wasn't just because I love technology and these kind of things. You know, you might think, well, why didn't a local church or believer, you know, reach out to this person? Well, the truth was the nearest known believer, let alone church, was hundreds of miles away. That's what it looks like when you're unreached. Now, I've heard a lot of people using this term. It's almost lost its meaning. It's kind of just become anyone who doesn't know Jesus But the people where you're going aren't just lost. They don't even know someone who can tell them the reason for hope and that that reason is Jesus. They don't have access to that message yet. And I believe that God is going before you and preparing hearts. God didn't take a break in 2020. So would you pray for that? If you do nothing else this spring, would you pray for God to go ahead of you and prepare hearts? And I also believe that if someone would just come into some of these people's lives and love them and share with them what is said in the Scriptures concerning Jesus, that they would put their hope in Him. I believe that. Isaiah 51.5 says this, My mercy and justice are coming soon. My salvation is on the way. My strong arm will bring justice to the nations. All distant lands will look to me and wait in hope for my powerful arm the world doesn't lack a God who is preparing hearts. It lacks people to go and speak to those prepared hearts. What did we talk about earlier, tribe leaders? The harvest is plentiful, though the workers are few. But going to speak to these prepared hearts will be risky business. And I know people who are out there risking a whole lot more than inconvenience or disappointment. Disappointment. So would you join me tonight in believing, being people who believe that there's something far worse than being disappointed or inconvenienced? And that is never having heard the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only hope of the nations. There's no other name under heaven given to them by which they must be saved. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is worth risking for. Well, let me tell you the rest of that story about the risk I took five years ago. As I said, after we contacted those people that were in, in the country, and they mailed the Bible, and we waited, and we waited, and then I got a message. And the person we were trying to get this Bible to said, thank you so much for the Bible. Unfortunately, I cannot read it because it's in the wrong language. <laughs> the national believer we had contacted to mail the Bible was from another ethnic group and didn't, was a little confused about the languages and sent him the wrong language version of the Bible, so I thought, great, this person's going to end up in jail over a Bible that he he can't even read. And so we got back in contact with those people, and we said, this is the one you want to send, and they sent it, and we waited, and eventually I got another message saying, I got the book, I'm reading it, thank you so much, and eventually we lost contact with this person, and I'll be honest, I completely forgot about this story until about a month and a half ago when I received a message from one of the people that I used to work with on that project, and he was now living in another country, and forwarded me on a story from a a Muslim background believer that he had met. And this believer was living outside of his home country and could speak a little more freely. And so he had told him, this friend of mine, how him and his wife had come to faith. And as he listened, he started to put two and two together. So I'd like to just read you, to end our time tonight, this person's testimony as I received it. So this is from the perspective of this Muslim background believer. Here's what he had to say. Having grown up in an area where people are deeply Islamic, I started doing the five daily prayers at the age of 13, and also memorized large portions of the Quran. So it was a pretty serious Muslim. One day I heard about a website in my language that had Christian material on it. I learned about it from an on- listen to this. I learned about it from an online forum where another person was suggesting that someone try to get rid of the website. Curious about this, God works in every way possible. <laughs> Curious about this, I went to the site, downloaded a portion of the Bible, and, seeing a contact email, wrote to them asking for someone to send me a Bible in my language. Not long afterwards, I received one in the mail and began reading it. He was nice enough not to mention that we sent the wrong one first. My intention was to compare it to the Quran and find the places in the Bible that were changed, because I had heard from the Islamic community that the Bible text was changed and therefore untrustworthy. It's a very common belief among Muslims for those who are going to work with them. However, however, after reading it, I couldn't find the things I had been told Christians believe, like Mary being one of three gods, etc. Instead, I found out the things I had been told were not true. I began searching the Quran and the Hadith to find out who Jesus is. I read verses that say Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit and that Jesus will come back in the end of the world. My faith in Islam began to falter because the Bible and the Quran both spoke of followers of Jesus being saved from hell and Jesus being alive in heaven. I didn't know whether Islam or Christianity was true, so I decided to do a special type of prayer to ask God for help. In this type of prayer, Muslims ask God to give them a dream or sign which shows them the correct answer, another common thing among Muslims. That very night, I had a dream where I was carrying a cross and going to build a church. When I woke up, I was actually angry about getting this dream. How can I, being a Muslim, have such a dream? So I decided not to count this dream as an answer and pray that prayer again this coming night, saying, whatever way God shows me tonight will be the answer. That night I had another dream in which I was carrying a suitcase to a bus station and I met a friend on the way who asked me why and to where I was going. In the dream I told him I had a Bible in the suitcase and I was going to share the good news. After getting this dream it was still very difficult to receive Jesus because I couldn't leave the religion I had believed in from my youth so easily. So I went back on my promise and I decided I wouldn't count that dream either. Tonight would be the last time I would ask God one more time, whatever he showed me, I would surely follow forever. That night I had yet another dream, and in the dream I was sitting alone in a church praying. When I awoke in the morning, I believed that God had truly shown me that Jesus is the way. So I placed my hands on the Bible and prayed, saying that that from today on, Jesus is my Savior, and I will follow him. That day I became a believer in Jesus. And this is what my friend wrote after he shared this man's testimony with me. He said, This man lived in a city where there was likely no other believer or any believer for miles around. How many times have we prayed without knowing any specific names to name for God to open the eyes and hearts of, and then he names his people group, like this far away from a gospel witness? Well, God has and is doing it, and this testimony demonstrates. Bless the Lord. So I'll ask you again, is it worth a bit of a risk this summer, that lives might be transformed by our great God?